This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. And here's what's happening with us at Right From The Deep. Thanks to our patrons on Patreon. And if you're wondering why we talk about that all the time, Patreon is a platform that enables creatives to get paid. Yes, we actually get paid. It (laughs) takes time and money to put together these podcasts and pay for the hosting. So our patrons on Patreon help make this podcast possible. We could not do it without them. You can find out more and join as a patron if you want at patreon.com slash right from the deep all one word right from the deep patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com yes and special thanks to our may sponsor of the month stacy mclean yay stacy <laughs> thank you so much to you stacy and know that we're keeping you and your book project in our prayers and we're asking god to give you his guidance and his blessing Another exciting thing here is that we have a sponsorship from the Novel Marketing Podcast with host Thomas Umstead Jr. This guy knows what he's talking about, friends, and we highly recommend the podcast. You can find it at novelmarketing.com or in your favorite podcast app. So in this sponsorship, we've been bringing you Novel Marketing's Ten Commandments of Book Marketing. Right, and this week we are talking about commandment number six. Thou shalt own thine own platform. You only need to look around, guys, at what's happening in the world today where a social media platform can cancel you in a heartbeat and you lose access to the readers. You might have spent years growing or lots of dollars, okay? Those platforms can make you pay anytime they want for anyone to see your post. This has happened, okay? So that makes growing your platform on those types of ground, ground you don't own, an unwanted investment. You've got to own your platform. The two most important things for you to own is your website and your newsletter list. This is what you should be spending time and money developing. You see, your website is your home base, a place readers can find you, that they can connect with you, a place of your own so it can never be taken away from you. And your newsletter is how you communicate directly with your readers. That's so important. Again, those email address can never be taken away from you by some company that decides to cancel you. For more book promotion and platform help, listen to Novel Marketing in your favorite podcast app or at novelmarketing.com. And another thing we've been talking about is wonders. And today I got a real wonder. I got a surprise. And surprise is my wonder today, guys. Guess what happened? I was sitting downstairs. (laughs) I was just doing my work, looking out my window. And lo and behold, this bird shows up that I've never seen before at my bird feeder. And it's a rose-breasted grosbeak. Okay, some of you guys might even know what that is. (laughs) But some of you don't. That's okay. But the point was... It was a total surprise. I've never seen this bird before in my life. Didn't even know it lived here. 
And there it just showed up. And when God does things like this, I feel like he does them just for me, just to show me, hey, I can surprise you anytime I want with something you're not expecting. Think about your writing life and your writing journey and where you're at. No matter what things look like right now, God can and will surprise you. Yes. And now, here's Here's the show. show. Hey guys, it's time to enter into the deep, and we are so glad that you're here with us today and with our guest, Tim Shoemaker. Aaron will introduce him now. Yes, I will. (laughs) Tim Shoemaker is the author of 16 books, and he writes both fiction and nonfiction. His latest book, Easy Target, is a middle-grade thriller that just released with Focus on the Family. For all you people looking for middle-grade stories out there, that's a thriller that your kids might like. Anyways, Tim also speaks at schools, churches, conferences, and parachurch organizations like uh, Focus on the Family. He's happily married to the love of his life, and he has three grown sons. On his website, he lists several of the things he's passionate about, but I think this one is my favorite. He says he's passionate about being a man of integrity who loves God and others with all his heart. Mm. Tim, we are so glad to have you here with us. Thank you and welcome. Aaron, Karen, thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. So, Tim, let's just jump in with our first question that we always give. What does the deep mean to you? Well, I think, you know, we were talking just a moment before uh, we kind of got on air here. And here in the Chicago Roots, I I would have to say deep dish pizza uh, (laughs) is is certainly a big one there. But, uh, uh, and I would be a Giordano's guy uh, from this area. Me too. We all have Chicago (laughs) roots here. (laughs) Now we're all wanting pizza. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So, no, but really, I think the deep to me is about those those deep places uh, in your heart. Uh, When you're writing, it comes from those strong passions that we have that are deep down, our deepest convictions. It's these uh, core things, these foundational beliefs that we've got. And uh, to me, I think that's what the deep is about. And, and I feel like you've seen this too, right? When you're reading fiction, can't you tell about an author you've never met before just by reading their fiction? Because if they're writing from their heart, uh, you're going to find out what they're really about and 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 what makes them tick. So to me, that's that's it. It's definitely about those deep places of our heart. Mm, I love that. I do too. So, uh, Tim, you've been a full-time author and a speaker for quite a few years, more than 15 years now, I think. But tell me, how did your writing career start? Well, it started by just telling stories uh, to nieces and nephews and my own three sons. Uh, I love telling stories. You know, get seeing their eyes get wide. You know, is there and, and you think, okay, maybe I'm going a little bit too far here. We'll tone it down, uh, <laughs> that type of thing. But I, I love doing that. But I would keep hearing, you know, Dad, you got to write these stories down. And I will tell you, I had zero interest uh, in that. None. None. Uh, you know, you're just sort of making things up. And, and uh, I figured I'm never going to remember what I just talked about anyway. But one, <laughs> yeah. And one time I tried and I found out I loved it. Mm-hmm. I could not believe it because that never happened to me in school. Maybe because everything was so regimented. It was so formulaic, uh, you know, in school. But just to be able to write like this. So I loved it. Now, I was actually in... Uh, 
in the photo business. I had a one-hour mini lab. Oh, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Way back and, when uh, those existed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had that mini lab and studio, and I was starting to write on the side then. And uh, my dream was that someday the business would do good enough where I could hire somebody to do part of what I was doing so I could have more time to write. But that didn't exactly happen. <laughs> so that was uh, that was not God's plan, but but yeah, that's how it started with me. Just just telling stories to kids, and kids encouraged me to put it on paper. Oh, well, wow. what happened then with the Photoshop? Uh, Two thousand four, we had to close. Yeah, the digital was taking over where people weren't making the prints. That's how we made our living, making pictures, right? right? And so you know, we just we just saw. I was losing my shirt for one. My wife and I were in it together, so we just felt this was it. That God was making it so clear that we had to close the store. So we closed it in June of 2004. And that was it. I felt that was God's nudge to try writing full time. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I had some books out at that point, but it was all nonfiction. But it was that elusive fiction that I was trying so hard for that so, I wanted to try to get. So what kind of struggles did you face at that point? Did you feel as though, did you struggle with feeling like a failure and don't misunderstand me and not saying you were, or were you excited because you felt as though God was saying, this activity is done, now I'm asking you to go down this path? Um, I think there was a little of both, but there was a lot of that when I was there at the store, uh, you know, working late. Uh, into the night and things like that. There was there was very much a feeling of failure, and I would mm -hmm. say that was a uh, attack of the enemy in so yeah. many ways. You know, not everybody ended up losing their stores. Uh, you know, it, for the most part, all the independents they went. It, everything was changing, but there was this sense of supreme failure. Wow, I couldn't even do this right, and mm -hmm. now you're going to go into something different. You know, and so risky. The enemy, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We left on, uh, oh, it was June, I want to say 25th, maybe a day off on that. But uh, we, we closed the store and I took the money from the register, you know, our, like our change, the backup change you have, you have right. a $300 in, you know, change and singles and fives and, you know, all this. <laughs> right. We took our $300, we drove from uh, Chicago down to Atlanta where the uh, Christian Booksellers Convention was. Yeah. <laughs> right? And uh, so that, that when we left right from there, from closing the store, we went because I had a book that was going to be uh, coming out at that point. It was a devotional for boys. So we were going to be there and, and do whatever we could to publicize it. And uh, the crazy thing was there was a little glitch and the book didn't even make it to the convention. So, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was you know. These are great times. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm seeing what people might be tempted in your shoes to think. Failure upon failure upon failure. Like, how did you react to that? Well, um, I think in a very real way, my faith was strong. Mm. You know, fantastic wife. Incredibly encouraging and supportive of this, which, I mean, as big as a step it is for me, look at how, what a step that was for her, right? right? So I was surrounded by family that was very supportive, mm -hmm. uh, which was huge. Strong connections in our church. So we had all of that. But I will still say the enemy, you know, he did his best. Yeah. So there were times, you know, there was this thought, not a voice, but a thought did come through my mind. You know, you need to do it. Mm. You failed. It's over. Put your house in order. You're done. Now that's, 
it, and it scared me. It's like, yeah. oh my goodness, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. You know, it was this, you know, attack from the enemy. Really, is the way I took it. Is that, you know, he kept saying, "You failed. You've blown it. You've let everybody down." You're. It was like one of those uh, Jimmy Stewart things, right? Uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful life. You know, you're you're worth more dead than alive. You've got a good insurance policy. Uh, uh, and you're so, looking around for Clarence. <laughs> right, right. Please, somewhere. Right? But um, so you know, it's not like it was. I don't think I was at risk. But it was a thought that yeah. it was like the enemy was trying it out. Let's see if this works on him. And it wasn't until I think that all stopped when the store, we actually closed the store and left. And that was it. It was done. Hmm. From that point on, it was uh, it was the new the new career. Yeah. Wow. God <laughs> took you off the cliff and you just sailed on from there. Well, it was, uh, yeah, it was not all flying, but it was, uh, there was still a lot of bumps. Uh, 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 Well, it was good. Well, now I know you were doing, you said that first book was nonfiction, but you wanted to get into fiction. How, how did that become a passion and how did that lead you into wanting to do, write that kind of fiction for your kids? Well, I think again, going back to that storytelling and, and I, I've got a love for kids. Uh, I, I'm trying to think where that started. Uh, I've got two older sisters, two younger brothers, but my two younger brothers, one is nine years younger, one is 12 years younger. So it was like a whole different family. So I did a lot of babysitting and stuff for them. And we had so much fun. I mean, they were broken bones and stitches and most of them were mine, you know? So uh, we just had, we just had a ride. And, and that's where my love for kids grew. And then of course, I had kids, but meantime, I, I taught junior high and Sunday school and all kinds of things. So I really loved the power of a story and wanted to get through them that way. Now, I was also trying to connect with my kids, like in family devotions and all that. And so some of those early books, they were family devotion type books. So right. by the time we closed the store, I probably had four or five books at that point, nice. uh, but everything's nonfiction. But I wanted to write the stories and the short stories were beginning to go. You know, they were starting to get picked up by uh, Focus on the Family, Clubhouse right. Magazine, things right. like that. But I just couldn't get that fiction. And that's that's where I was just living is that for that fiction. Well, then how did that happen? How did you end up, you know, sticking with it? I guess I just always thought it was to happen and, and was going to happen. I had some great encouragers that felt I should. Boy, it's just a bad time in the market. Your writing's good. Keep going, you know, all that type of stuff. But it was it was years of that. And it also heard from some very wise people that it it takes a lot of time for that fiction to break in for traditional publishing. But I had not always good advice either. <laughs> you know, I I can remember uh, I was at a Christian Writers Conference and one of the and I was I was teaching by this time, right? So now I'm teaching, and another faculty member came up to me and said, "You know, uh, you really need to stop writing for kids, hmm. and." You need to write for adults. You're, you're, you can write that good. You, you should be writing for them. And, and their closing comment is what sort of sealed it for me. I said, you know, that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. So right at that point, I'm not thinking that this is necessarily a word from the Lord, right? <laughs> but you know what? I, I ended up rejecting that. And my passion was this. I felt like my heart is for kids. There's, there's, a, there's a bazillion things written for broken adults. Right. I, I want to write for the kids. I want to write to, I want a chance before they're broken. 
Let me try to inspire them there. I want to bring friends to kids that don't have friends in the characters of these stories. And, and I want to help show a path to these kids who are smart, but they lack experience, and they're going to make dumb mistakes. And how can we show them traps that are out there, but all wrapped into a good story that they can be involved in because we learned from experiences, right? So, so I kept with it. Again, God's grace, just, just God's grace that, you know, he kept me just knowing I was to do this. And finally, uh, it broke open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting about this to me is that here you are, you know, you're needing to help support your family and the money temptation would be super strong. <laughs> and so I love that, that, you recognized that that was simply just a temptation, simply just not suited to your passion. I I love that. You and I had talked a little bit before, and you talked to me a little bit about some waiting times in your career, and you were telling me about Mm. the sled. I I love that story. Share that so our listeners can, can hear how waiting can sometimes come to fruition, or often, or always in God's plan. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. And that was, so when the fiction finally broke and it ended up being uh, first a a one book contract and that turned into a three book contract. So that was great. And that was with Zondervan. And so we completed that contract in June of 2014. Now my editor had left. So I'm a bit of an orphan author here. So uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm going to, pitch another idea and they really wanted to see how the series would do. Mm-hmm. And so that was going to take time, right? And as it turned out, things changed. And you know, in the publishing industry, right. sometimes people are more into one target market or not, depending on where things are going. And and so suddenly here I am with no contract. I wasn't so worried at first, but as time goes on, uh, I did get some nonfiction things going, but, and God had led me into speaking. Oh my goodness. That was another whole thing where when you are so dependent on God, you are so desperate to do it right. You know, I, I learned to say yes to just about anything. Um, <laughs> you know, as far as, it, you know, if I felt uh, it was out of my comfort zone, but I felt this was an opportunity God was putting there, so that opened up so many things. So I never saw the speaking. That was that was a that was a huge thing. But yeah, so I'm waiting, and that goes into two years. Wow. And then three years. Oh man. In June of 2017, it had been three years. I had a complete novel done. I had started another one. I had four proposals out with our agent. Let's see, two were nonfiction. One was this standalone fiction I just finished and one was uh, another book that I'd hoped would start into a series. So I've got four proposals out there, right? <laughs> You're definitely doing the work. But nothing, you know, nothing's happening. So it's a June day. Picture Chicago, June. It's 80 <laughs> degrees and I'm walking a couple of miles, which is my practice to walk a couple of miles and uh, think and pray and and different things like that. So I'm walking and I'm I'm kind of at the place where I make my turnaround and this garbage day in this neighborhood that I was walking through and I see these four sleds by the curb. Okay. Now they were in terrific shape and they all had ropes. I mean, they're, you know, 
they're great. Obviously, somebody's cleaning out their garage and then they're saying, this is it. No more. The kids are grown. But they were good. They were good sleds. And I thought to myself, you know what? My sons would like these. You know, they're starting families uh, themselves. They've got young families. They'd like this. But in winter, not right now. (laughs) And uh, I thought, well, you know, I could walk home. I'd get the car and pick these up. But I knew the garbage truck would be there. They'd be gone. And I would be kicking myself come winter that I didn't get these sleds when they were available. So you know what? I thought, okay, I'm going to look like an idiot. But I picked up these four sleds, slung them (laughs) over my back, and started my walk home. And I was, I don't know, maybe a half a mile from home. And I'm walking and I hear this voice, and here's this guy on this porch. I don't know who he is, but he says, mighty fine collection of sleds you got there. <laughs> you know, just real sarcastic. And so we're just joking around a little bit. And, you know, because obviously I look like this complete idiot. And uh, so, you know, as we break up that conversation, he says, hey, I'm going in to get my skates. You know, you're probably right. The weather's going to change. I'm going to be ready to. So as I leave there, I don't know. I don't think I'd walk 10 steps before this thought popped to my mind that this was like representing my life. I felt as out of place right then on 80 degree day carrying sleds, something that was definitely not needed now, but it would definitely be needed in the future. And here I was with four proposals just waiting on me, Hmm. just weighing on me daily that I've got four proposals and and nothing's happening. But in that moment, I thought they are going to be needed. And when that time comes, you're going to be ready. Yeah. Just keep on the course. So it was a huge moment. And you know what? I pulled out, when we talked, uh, Aaron, when we were talking about this, I pulled out my journal and I was looking at that uh, just a little bit. And in my journal, before I went on that walk, one of the verses, that day in my journal, I'll, I'll, I'll just read it here from Psalm 71. It goes, since my youth, O God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. And that's just, that's my deep. That's what I want. I want to impact this next generation. So that's what I was praying that morning that I ended up walking with four sleds. (laughs) And God gave me the encouragement to keep walking. Hmm. So that was three years I'd been without a contract for fiction. Now, as it turned out, I don't know, in the next six months or a year, I think, one of the nonfiction ones did get picked up and that that did very good. So that was terrific. But it was two and a half years after the sleds hmm. that the fiction hmm. took, that, that, that all went. And so um, easy target. Yeah. Was one of those books. And uh, <laughs> Escape from the Everglades, which comes out in July, was the mm-hmm. one that starts the series. So those were those other uh, two proposals. So three of the four proposals have um, have gone. In fact, one of them, they expanded from a one book book to a three book contract. So, you know, God gave all that. But it was it was a long haul. But I got to say this. I changed in five and a half years. Yeah, uh, my, my writing deepened in five and a half years. I mean, by deepened, I don't know if I would say, you know, it got better. I mean, uh, we all want to say that it got better, but it was deeper. Yeah. Uh, 
There were things that were more important that I wanted to get out. And I think even the publisher uh, that was focused on the family, I think, you know, they went through things that, so it all came together at the right time. But yeah, five and a half years. I mean, talk about doubts. You say, oh, I'm I'm teaching fiction, writing, but I don't have a contract. What is this? So, you know, I absolutely love um, what you've shared because my life verse is Habakkuk. Two, three, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read Habakkuk two, one through three, because mm-hmm. your life and all that you've been through and in what you're saying, it it is the perfect example of this. Habakkuk says, I will climb my watchtower now and wait to see what answer God will give to my complaint. Hmm. And the Lord said to me, Write my answer on a billboard, large and clear, so that anyone can read it at a glance and rush to tell others. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. And we see, you know, as you were telling the sled story, I'm thinking, well, surely the week or two weeks after he got the contract, two and a half years, (laughs) but they weren't overdue a single day. God knew exactly how long it needed to take. God knew exactly what he needed to do in you. And for those of you listening, God knows. He knows exactly what his vision is for you. And nothing will keep that from being fulfilled. We don't know what God's plans are for you in what you're writing, maybe for publication, maybe not. But whatever it is, if you're obedient to the task that God has given you, slowly, steadily, surely, the time will approach when the vision will be fulfilled. Do not despair, friends. These things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They won't be overdue a single day. Wow, that's good. That's good. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.